Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it's time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. Thank you for gathering with us today wherever you are hearing this online message today. This message is an important message. In fact, I have entitled it, Amen, an urgent message for embattled Christians. An urgent message for embattled Christians. That's why it is so important that we understand the fight that we are in, the foe that we face, and the God that is for us in this battle. And he's going to give us wisdom from his word today to win this war, praise God, and walk in victory even in the last days. Praise God. So today, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to First Peter, and let's begin to read with chapter 1 and verse 1. Let me tell you some background here. First Peter was written during the reign of Nero a time of great persecution of believers. Nero ruled when the great fire broke out in Rome and he blamed Christians, thus beginning a systematic persecution of believers. And the purpose then and now was to, to, in, to, to encourage. That's why this, this message is given. That's why it is so urgent to encourage Courage persecuted believers to hope in God's ultimate deliverance and trust Him completely until then. Praise God. This is to deepen our devotion to Christ even in the day of the falling away. Praise God. Listen to First Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers, underscore that, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. The word stranger here uh, is a Greek word that means an alien alongside, a resident foreigner. Pilgrim, stranger is its meaning. And that's why we have the scripture in First Peter 2 in verse 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you. This is, this word beseech is, is reoccurring and it, in the, in the writings of the New Testament, I beseech you means I urge you. See, this is an urgent message and, uh, uh, that urges us to keep the faith when so many are falling away because of persecution and because of deception. It's an urgent message, therefore, for every Christian who is fighting the good fight of faith today and those who find themselves drifting to come back and enter back in. And because this is a battle that God is going to help us win if we dare to put on his armor and stand our ground. Praise God. First Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. 
Friend of mine, the battle for the soul, the eternal spirit of man was won at the cross. But the battle for the mind is still raging. And that's why in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, once again, this strong urging is brought forth. I beseech you, Paul said, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. One translation says accurately, this is your true spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world. That word conformed is like taking something and pressing it, pushing it into a mold. Don't let the world press you into its mold. I put it this way. Don't follow what's trending. Follow what is true. Listen, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Friend, transformation comes when we have a new mindset, when we see ourselves as we truly are pilgrims and strangers in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. And that's why the prayer of Jesus for the church then and now is this. Father, don't take them out of the world yet, but keep them from the evil one. Listen, we are foreigners in a foreign land, and our true citizenship is in heaven. In fact, the scripture says our conversation is in heaven, which means our citizenship So number one, the Christian foreigner lives in a state of longing for his true homeland. Listen to Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. It said, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and confessed that they were, ah, yes, strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Literally, temporary residents, exiles. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Verse 15 in the, in a paraphrase said, if they'd wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, <laughs> but they did not want to because they were living for heaven. I like what John Bale said. He said, How many preachers during these years have dwelt on the joys of the heavenly rest with anything like the old ardent love and impatient longing or have spoken of the world that now is as a place of sojourn and pilgrimage? In the not-too-distant past, the hymns of the church reflected a longing for heaven and a longing for Him who is coming for us. Remember, I'll fly away some glad morning. When this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. 
I'll fly away. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl. Keeping my records bright. Watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I remember when I first got saved so many decades ago. My pastor saying, listen, Jesus said, be ready. You won't have time to get ready. We had to change the words to the song. <laughs> Amen. And say, I am ready to leave this world. Listen, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, walking and talking with Christ, the supernal one. Won't it be wonderful there? Heaven's jubilee, another. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. When the saints shall rise, headed for that jubilee, yonder in the skies. The unclouded day, my wife's grandpa, who was my grandpa's pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, they tell me of a land where no storm clouds rise. They tell me of a land far away. They tell me of a king in his glory there. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, the land of an unclouded day. The eastern gate. If you hasten off to glory, wait beside the eastern gate. I will soon join you in the morning. You won't have long to wait. I will meet you in the morning just inside the eastern gate over there. I've got a mansion. Many people that are not my age and stage of life may have never heard these great hymns of the faith, but look where they're all pointing us. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander, but walk on streets of purest gold. I'm almost done, but listen, I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Nor pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Let others seek a home below which flames devour, waves overflow. I feel like traveling on. Dear friends, dear friends, listen. God wants us once again to be pointed toward heaven. That's why this is an urgent message for people that are beginning to feel at home in this world. Remember the great hymn of faith, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We should never feel at home in this world, for we are pilgrims and strangers. And until we see ourselves as such and declare it, then we will always be pulled toward the world and in some cases overcome and overwhelmed by the world. C.S. Lewis writes, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. Does not mean we are to leave this present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next. Friend, I believe the Holy Spirit is rekindling a deep longing for the coming of Jesus Christ and the homesick heart that yearns for heaven. 
like a magnet attracting steel. Heaven is drawing true Christians. And the pull of heaven is stronger than the pull of this world. And soon we will be caught up. Praise God. Listen to Colossians 3 and verse 1 and 2. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not the things of the earth. Friend, if we do not seek the things which are above, Satan will deceive and distract us with the things of this world. If we do not set our affections, Satan will come to try to steal the love for God from our heart. There can be no middle ground, no compromise, no concessions to our enemy. The issue is not loving one more than another or loving the world, but loving God the most. It's loving one or hating the other. There is no middle ground. And Christians on the fence, I urge you, I beseech you, as Peter did then, so I am doing now by the mercies of God that you devote yourself to Jesus so there's no divided loyalty, so there's no ground that Satan can claim in your heart. Matthew six twenty four, Jesus speaking said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve. This word serve here means to be a slave, to be in bondage, to do service. Friend of mine, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is a name given to all that riches can give the flesh, all it can do for the flesh. You can't serve the things of this material world, temporal material world, and, and, and lay hold to that that is eternal, never ending, never dying. Oh, friend of mine, God wants you to be a bond slave to Jesus and not a slave to the enemy of your soul. We must, as Christians, determine to place supreme value upon our Savior and His sacrifice, His saving grace, His soon coming, His promise of heaven, <laughs> and our heart will follow. Listen to Matthew 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where the moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Listen carefully. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Literally, your thoughts and your feelings. Listen, if Satan can get you to place more value upon the things of the world than the things of God, he can capture your heart. So the Christian foreigner must live a life of separation. His values are different. His morals are different. His motives are different because his master 
is different. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. He is in the world, but he is certainly not of the world. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 14. Attachment to Christ results in detachment from the world, doesn't it? Amen. It tells us to come out and to be separate from the world. Separation from the world is not isolation from the world. The great work of grace is that God can take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and put him back into the world and keep him holy. Praise God. That's why Philippians, uh, in the book of Philippians, it speaks of in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Praise God. A Christian foreigner longs for fellowship with his own. In 1 John 3 and verse 14. We know, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. This word of brethren in the Greek is from two words and it's from and womb, literally from the same womb. And brethren or brother occurs 231 times in the New Testament. 346 uh, altogether, amen, and 332 in the Old Testament. Listen, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Listen, the only way that can occur if we get our truth from the same book and we come into a, a learning experience where we know the rightfully divided word and we all, regardless of what background we may have had, amen, we lay down our traditions, we lay down our preconceived ideas, and we let God be true and every man become the liar that contradicts what he has given us. Because the church, the true church, the church of Jesus Christ is built upon the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Glory be to God. Amen. Our church was located in a very tough part of town. And there used to be two men that sat uh, uh, really on a bench across the street uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, they'd already started drinking. They would sit there uh, drinking their beer and just watching me come out of the little parsonage behind the church and walk around to go in the side door, getting ready to preach. And I would wave at them and say, why don't you come? Why don't you, why don't you put down that beer and come to church some Sunday morning? And, and one of them hollered back at me and they said, they said, preacher, if we walked in that church, the, 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 the roof would fall in. <laughs> Amen. Listen, and I just said, well, I'm praying for you. And I did pray for them and I prayed for them for years. And I 
I saw they were not coming to the benches often, and then only one would come to the bench. And one day, I, I don't even know why I stopped at the church to go up to get something out of my office, but I know I stopped. And when I came out, a lady was in the parking lot, pulled in, said, Do you remember those men that used to sit on that bench right over there and pointed? I said, Yes, ma'am, I do. She said, Well, I'm a caregiver to one of them. He has cancer and he doesn't have long to live. Would you come and speak with him and maybe pray with him? And I didn't have to pray about going. I went immediately to the address she gave me. I walked in and I saw him becoming emaciated and coughing and barely able to speak. And I said to him, Jesus loves you, man. It's not too late to receive Christ as your Savior. He said, I've never served God in all of these years, and I, 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 I can't, I, I just can't. And he argued that he was even worthy to save, and I kept telling him about what the blood of Jesus had done for him. Oh, I'm so glad that I'm a pilgrim down here. I'm glad I can't feel at home in this world. I'm glad there is no contest between what the world has to offer and what Jesus has to offer. Because when you've been in hospital rooms and homes where people are passing, nothing in or of this world is of any consideration or consolation. All that matters then is that we can spend eternity with God instead of eternal punishment and banishment. Oh, friend of mine, I'm glad today to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had to leave that room without him praying for salvation or praying the sinner's prayer. But three weeks later, I got a phone call and the same lady said, This man is calling for you. He's calling for you. Would you come? And I went back. And he said, Preacher, do you really believe what you've been telling me? Do you believe that Jesus could forgive my sin, that I could still go to heaven and not go to hell? And I said, Man, I believe it with every fiber of my being and with all of my heart. And I was able to lead that man to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Before he went home to be with the Lord. Oh, preacher, friend, preacher, you say that's not fair. I live all my life for the Lord and I go home to be with him. He just came to the Lord and he goes home to be with him. What's the deal? The deal is that you were saved by grace through faith the same way that he was saved. Thank God grace isn't fair. Thank God there is hope. No matter while there is life, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you have committed, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost because he went to the cross to pay our sin debt in full. Praise God. The other man, you say, what happened to him? I remember getting a phone call to go to a home where another man was emaciated and he could barely speak. He had cancer of the lung and cancer of the throat. And when I walked in, I saw a man laying there and he said, Pastor, Pastor, 
Pastor, do you remember me? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you. He said, listen, he said, is it too late? I said, it's never too late. As long as you have life, there is hope. Oh, it's after you die that hope is ended. You have to go one way or the other. But right now, you have the opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. Are you ready? He said, yes, please. (laughs) We prayed the sinner's prayer. He said, Pastor, can I be baptized? Now listen, I believe in immersion is more representative of the Christian who is buried with Christ and raised with Him, not sprinkling necessarily. But if you can't be immersed, we're going to do the next best thing. And I asked the, uh, the, His caregiver, I said, can you bring me a basin of water and a towel? And can you put something under Him? And, and they did. They, and, and they lifted Him up and put something under Him to absorb the water. And I put the towel in the water and I squeezed it from His head on down. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I said, I now baptize you in the name. I said, Hillsborough River's two blocks away, but we can't go to the river. The baptismal in the church is a block away, but we can't go to the church. But I can take you spiritually to that river and to that baptismal. And I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And I said, do you feel satisfied? And he said, yes, I do. Now, I just read a scripture that said, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Do you know what happened at that moment? He became my brother and I became his brother in the faith. And he said, pastor, and emotion me, could hardly speak, but emotion me to lean down He wanted to say something in my ear. And when I leaned down, he said, I love you. I love you. (laughs) Friend of mine, I don't know. I don't know what it's worth to you. What, What do you understand what your worth is to God? And what it's worth to win a soul to Christ, to not be part of the flow away from God in this last day, but to be part of those that are beginning to look beyond this world, to seek their reward beyond this world, to seek their fulfillment beyond this world, <laughs> and to begin to sing, take this whole world but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Praise God. Dear friend of mine, today God is calling His people to not be part of this old fallen world that is blinded by the devil and bound for hell, but to be part of those who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. And they're on their way to heaven. Praise God. Friend of mine, Jesus is coming very soon. I know that old message may not be in the forefront like it should be, but I want to put the spotlight on the soon coming of Jesus. And I want to urge you, I want to beseech you today, Christian, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service, and don't be pushed into the world's mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See yourself as a pilgrim. See yourself as a stranger. See yourself as a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. And see yourself as ready for the soon coming of Jesus. For to they that look, He shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hallelujah. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I beseech you, I urge you, don't run from God. Don't wait until it's too late. Amazing grace is reaching out to you today. A loving God is reaching down to you today. A loving Savior with nail-scarred hands is saying, Come unto me. Come unto me. He will embrace you today. If you repent of your sin, confess your sin, He will forgive your sin. God will pardon you. And immediately, you'll be translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And immediately, you will become part of the growing family of God. And I can call you brother, and you can call me brother today, and sister today, in Jesus' name. Amen.